Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips, and thank you so much for being with me today. You know, it's funny because when you're in a particular line of work, sometimes it's so nice to be able to bounce ideas off of other people or see how they're doing it, or do they have the same reactions that you have to certain things. And being in the business of kindness <laughs> for the past 10 years, it's kind of tricky because there aren't a whole lot of people who just say, well, you know, all I want to do is talk about kindness. So that is why I'm so thrilled that four years ago, I got acquainted with a woman named Linda Cohen, and I would like for you to meet her right now. Hi, Linda. Hey, Nicole. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I love that you're here. And you know, when I first found out about you, I think it was because your book, 1000 Mitzvahs, was talked about in another book. Um, is it Angels on Earth? Yeah, that's what you said. That is, I think, how you first found out about me. And I did actually, afterwards, I'm going to give you some angel books. I know we talked about that years ago, so I have to actually come good on that. <laughs> okay, the funny thing is, I don't remember having the conversation about you then giving me anything, but <laughs> I'm happy you would give me your time today because, again, I love to be able to hear your journey, your story, and really how... Um, uh, what the way that you see kindness now, because I'm just curious if it lines up the way that I'm seeing it around here. So tell us where you are right now. Um, okay, I live in Portland, Oregon. Okay, I'm so originally a New Englander, though, from the from the Vermont, Massachusetts area. Wonderful. And you've got grown kiddos. Well, 20 and 23. Yes. One just graduated college during the pandemic and one is a sophomore in, in college. So yes, I do. And did you get them back again? I did. They both came home in March. Yep. Yep. We had six months of emptiness and they both came home. My daughter graduated and is still living here. My son is back doing some virtual life at college. So yeah. Um, yeah. And I know many of your listeners probably experienced all sorts of changes in who was at home because home became very different last year. So it sure it might be. <laughs> it, yeah. No kidding. Home and work became so different. And yes. I want to talk about the work you're doing with kindness in the workplace. But first, I'm really curious about 1000 Mitzvahs. And I know that it came for you out of out of a place of grief. But, you know, was there one sort of catalyst moment where you said, I'm going to use kindness to heal, or was it a gradual process? Yeah, it was completely a gradual process. I I definitely feel like this was supposed to be my next path. So my dad, um, I had lived with both of my parents. My parents were divorced, and I had moved to live with my dad in, in high school um, in rural Vermont. And we had a really challenging relationship. And I you know, left the East Coast, moved out to Portland. And in 2006, in the spring, I got a phone call, and he said, Linda, I've just been diagnosed with terminal lung cancer, and they've told me I have less than a year. Oh. And when I got that phone call, I was 38. I was was married. My kids were six and nine. And I just knew that if anything was going to shift before it was too late, I had to do something. So I hopped on a plane the next week and I flew to Vermont and my dad and I spent like a really amazing long weekend together. Just him and I, no spouses, no kids, no animals. And it was a really beautiful weekend of some healing. My dad was a therapist, so he was open to this. And, um, when I came back to Portland, you know, the next eight months of his life were really this unexpected gift. We don't all, we don't all, we didn't always talk on the phone. There's a lot of challenges when you live on the West Coast, have somebody older on the East Coast because of time zone. Mm -hmm. But those eight months, I, I talked to my dad probably every single day. And I remember one of those calls. He's like, why did we wait until I was dying to work on mending our relationship? 
And so he passed away December 1st, 2006. I had been in his home kind of at the end of his life, but flew back to Portland because my son's birthday was December 6th. I mean, December 1st. And I wanted to be here for his, you know, little seventh birthday. Um, so I ended up not actually physically being with my father on the day he passed away. I flew back to Vermont after that. And I just remember, you know, in the days after his death, really grieving for this sweet eight months that we'd had together and the the difficult 38 years that had you know been a lot of a struggle and so I woke up in the middle of the night five weeks after his death with an epiphany that's all I can say it was his idea like Aaron I woke my husband up Aaron I want to do something to honor my dad I want to do a thousand mitzvahs and so that was kind of this idea that came into my head now I didn't know what that meant what that looked like and for anybody on your you know who's listening to your podcast a mitzvah in Judaism is actually um, an act of kindness. It's a good deed, but they're also commandments. You know, we have 613 of these and the 10 commandments are mitzvahs. Um, and I actually Americanized the word. The word is mitzvot, if you use it in proper Hebrew. Um, but I always used 1000 mitzvahs. I started a blog that, that winter and I started tracking these little simple actions. And I had no idea what this project would become. I mean, basically it was a way for me to move through the grief that I was feeling. Um, and I, at the time I was a stay at home mom. So I was, you know, tracking little stories that were happening with my kids at school, you know, on the playground, at the park, wherever we were, um, at college. Costco, you know, yeah. and I started just putting them on this blog and a year into the project and I thought I'd be done in a year. I really thought it would be like, oh, three acts of kindness a day. Sure, I'll be done in a year. But at a year, it was only at 500. Um, and I had this young rabbi come to me and he's like, you should write a book. And I wasn't an author. You know, I was a stay at home mom in those moments. Yeah. And I was like, write a book. But I was, you know, naive enough to say, okay, great. What does it look like to write a book? And I, I went to, a, I wrote a book proposal and I went to a writer's conference and I pitched the idea and uh, they accepted it. And um, I got a book contract and suddenly I'm like a published author um, of this book, 1000 Mitzvahs, which is kind of what propelled me into doing a TED talk and then starting to step into the world of speaking um, at that same time about about what kindness and what mitzvahs had done and how they had shifted. And I began to, you know, those days, it was early, two, it was 2011. So it was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, there was not as much research about what kindness. Right? Been, right. Oh, so, it was, it's yeah, so it was, so funny. So I, it was for me, the lessons that I had taken away. And I came up with my three lessons that I had learned in the two and a half years of doing the project, which were, Number one, the size of the kindness didn't necessarily matter. Yes. It could be small. It could be simple. I actually tell a story about changing a roll of toilet paper, which <laughs> I know is ridiculous, but I ended up talking about that on podcasts and on television when my book was out because, you know, it's just this little simple act that you do that makes the world a little better for some anonymous other person. So right. just that idea of the size of the kindness didn't necessarily matter. Yeah. Um, the second lesson that I learned was the ripple effect. You just never know when you meet someone in any given day, you know, what their day is going to be like, what's happening, especially like COVID has been unbelievable about that idea of what the ripple effect could be for another human being that you do an act of kindness with. But for years, I talked about going to Trader Joe's, which is our grocery chain and one of our grocery chains out here. And, you know, my full basket of groceries and I see the guy behind me and he's got, you know, a, a carton of eggs and a half gallon of milk. And I'm like, oh, sir, do you want to go in front of me? You know, just this, like any of us would probably do that. Right. And he said, sure, sure. He goes in front. He tells, you know, thanks me. And he tells the cashier, oh my gosh, that was the nicest thing that anyone's done for me today. Doesn't you know, that just head, take your I'm breath thinking, away? Yeah, I'm thinking like, 
what kind of a day was he having? Yes. That little simple gesture was like the nicest thing that has happened to him. Yes. So we just don't know what our ripple effect will be. And there's there's almost always going to be some kind of a ripple effect from kindness. You right. know? And you may not see the end of it, but it, it happens. And then the third lesson was just about giving and receiving. You know, and I know you've talked about this with several of your other um, podcast guests about the value of being the giver, but also being the recipient um, and allowing someone else to give to you. Yeah. And, you know, I think I again, I think in COVID, we have sat in that space as both. I think this has pulled most people and I'll be in an audience and I'll speak to people when I speak in audiences and I'll say, you know, how easy is it for you to be the giver? And almost everybody will raise their hand. Cause they're like, oh yeah, like they're in healthcare or they're in some kind of a giving profession. And then I say, keep your hands up if it's just as easier to be the recipient. Oh, and most people like put their hand like like three quarters of the audience. There'll be like five people left in the audience with their hands up. Yeah. Um, and so what I mean in my life, I'll tell you how I discovered this was that um in the summer of 2014, my mom, who had struggled with mental health my whole life, chose to end her life. And oh. um, and that summer, I had to sit in this beautiful place of receiving kindness, but oh. also kind of the discomfort of being the recipient of all of that kindness. Yeah. And what I learned in that summer was people do want to give. They're givers. We're like naturally yeah. drawn to that. And if we allow someone else to um, give us their kindness, we're letting them give us their gifts. Yes. So it was yes. kind of this big aha for me um, about giving and receiving. So those were like my three lessons from the from the years of doing the Mitzvah Project. And it's kind of what I've rolled into my work with corporations and, and organizations as well. We're going to get to that in a second, but I just want to let you know, people are loving you and your words. So Barbara Gruner is on here and she says, Kindness Catalyst is a beautiful title. And Erin Hawkinson said, you know, I love that. The size of the kindness doesn't necessarily matter. Yes, plant the seed of kindness. The ripple effect will come when the harvest is ready. Um, so why do you think that people uh, that we're seeing even right now, but just worldwide, what is happening that kindness is now revolutionary? Like this is a big deal. Totally. Lady Gaga started talking to uh, to the Dalai Lama. That yeah. was at the weird conference. That was like blew my mind. Right. I think I think people are waking up to the fact that, you know, we're not going to get external happiness. And this is another thing that I learned during this project was about, you know, the science of happiness and that happiness comes. And there's research by Dr. Sonia Lubomirsky. She's a psychology professor at UC Riverside. And she did research on internal happiness. And, you know, 40% of it comes from your genetics and your biology, and 10% of it comes from your living circumstances, who you put yourself around. But 40% of our internal happiness, she reported in her research, comes from your intentional actions. Oh, wow. So we have the opportunity each and every day to choose what our actions are going to be. And I, I really believe that People are, you know, if you're tuned into this, if you're tuned into this idea, then you say, I cannot control what is happening in the world in every single situation, but I can control how I respond. 
Amen. Yeah. Right. I mean, even the person who who cuts you off in traffic, like I have no control over that driver. Oh, oh my gosh! You just reminded me of a story. Okay, oh, tell so us. Tell my, us. So my son was probably my son kept me so humble through this <laughs> through this project. He was probably ten. We were late for school. I had blockbuster videos to uh, return. Remember those? Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. VHS. Netflix. We had this blockbuster rental system, and uh, I was late, so I'm zipping into the you know into the parking lot to drop them off and I come back out to the car try to back up and there was somebody on their phone who was like blocking me and I'm like you know really angry because we're late for school and my son says how do you know that that woman is not talking to her husband who's in the hospital or maybe her son's in the military mom you have to have some patience (laughs) so I was like so that's you know we are not always at our highest intention (laughs) But we can give each other grace. I have thought a lot about this idea of global pandemic, GP. How about if we change it into grace and patience? You know, those are two things we've been called on so much in this last year to really pull on is giving each other both grace and ourselves patience. So, yes, yes. well, yeah, so those kids will keep you humble. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got I got three of them in my house to do the same thing for me. So, yeah. yes, I'm with you. So. I am, I, we had uh, a woman named Lorinda say that she really just loved your three points that you learned from 1000 Mitzvahs from that book. But I know that you have like three R's now because you're doing a lot of work within the workplace, you know, do nice guys finish last. Is that true? You know, so I'm wondering if you can help us with workplace kindness. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, about five years ago, I created a a keynote called the economy of kindness, how kindness transforms your bottom line. And I started working with businesses and organizations. I do a a huge amount of work in healthcare, in long-term care, especially I've done some work with funeral directors, firefighters. So I had to come up with the three, you know, R's, the three reasons why kindness was really important in the workplace. And I came up with the ideas of um, your reputation, your organization, your company. We all know a story of some business that did not behave in the kindest way. And that gets out on social media. You know, no longer is that one person who's disgruntled with your organization, go tell one person, they're going to put it up on social media and Mm -hmm. it's going to become a New York Times story that gets picked up. I mean, we had a situation like this with a major bank out here that did not behave in a kind way to their employee. And it got picked up by the New York Times and a big editorial was all over our papers for for weeks um, Mm -hmm. because really they hadn't handled it well. So your reputation can certainly be affected. Um, The second is, are you going to be able to recruit great talent? And there are companies like you know, like Zappos, sadly, they just lost their CEO, but Zappos can recruit people like crazy because people really want to work for that company. They have such an amazing culture. So if your company precedes you by knowledge of your culture, then that's going to help you. And then finally, your retention. Are you going to be able to retain great people? It can't just be verbiage that you put out on a website. It really has to be the culture people feel that they live every day. And that has been the most exciting thing um, during the pandemic. And I, I I didn't mention this to you at the very beginning, but I have a colleague out here, Allison Clark, and she and I started this kind company about six months ago. And with our hashtag, this kind company, we have started sharing stories of companies that we are seeing that are really going the extra mile during the pandemic to to show kindness to their employees or to their 
you know, to their clients or customers, but oh. in any capacity, we deem them as a, you know, a this kind company. So that's been really, really exciting to try to, to pinpoint, you know, companies that are doing that. Well, and people love to hear that. I think that we're sick of hearing about the negativity, right? And it's like, let, yes. please tell me some good news. I know, I know. And I mean, I know you have a new book coming out with that word in it, you know, we're going we're gonna to get rid of negativity, right? Yes. So, yes. Um, yeah. So I, um, I, my goal when I do social media and really I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn. So that's a great place to, to find me is I really try to share good news. Yeah. There are, there's so many outlets you can find bad news. And I think when we put a spotlight on the good that's happening, and I heard one of your guests say this in a different podcast that, you know, what you, uh, what you pay attention to, you get more of. And, and I, I don't listen. I don't, I don't watch a lot of news. I years ago, probably, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, I stopped listening to news every night on the nightly news. That was how I was brought up. My mom loved the news. We had it on all the time, but I don't think we can handle that anymore mm -hmm. if it's just playing all day long in your house. So um, I'm, I call it sipping your media instead of gulping it. Ooh, what a so great a way to put it. of media. I don't think that I made that up. I think I heard that somewhere, but I loved it. So sip yes. your media rather than gulp it and then choose what you put into your head. And so um, mm -hmm. shared a story. I don't know if you heard about this story about the New Jersey plumber um, who heard that Texas needed plumbers. And so he packed up his two-year-old, his wife, his um, brother-in-law, who was an apprentice to him in plumbing, $2,000 worth of plumbing equipment. And they drove to Texas to help out the folks there who had lost, you know, um, all water. Mm -hmm. And I posted that story, you know, like I typically do a story on LinkedIn and people loved it. I got so many comments about it because people were like, oh, it's so refreshing humanity, people doing the good. And yes. I'm saying this is happening all the time. You're just not aware that good things and kindness and people are talking about this. And yes. by the way, my friend Allison and I, we got to interview him on that second week. He was, he had gone back to New Jersey, drop off the two-year-old with the grandparents because it had been a lot for them to write. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was so wonderful. So that's actually was, you know, exciting to be able to to elevate his message and what he had done and be able to share that. Mm, with so. mm -hmm. You know, and I will have people ask me, you know, is is there just there's just so much bad going on in the world? There's just got to be more bad than there is good. And I said, no, the bad is just louder. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, bad news sells. I, I've definitely heard that. And I think people think, well, let's just say, I think people think bad news sells. Did you watch John Kaczynski over the pandemic? His, right. He some good up. news. Okay. So I started, and also, so that just was crazy because he had hundreds of thousands of YouTube views on that. And it eventually got picked up by CBS. So that to me showed, I don't think we all want the bad news. Actually out here, there's a new show that started during the pandemic. I've been watching it Monday through Thursday at 7 p.m. out here on KGW Channel 8, um, The Good Stuff the good stuff. And they're showcasing local stories that are good within the Portland Metro, Seattle, you know, Vancouver area. And it's been fast. It's been amazing. And like you said, there is a lot of good stuff going on, a lot of good news. Um, we just don't highlight that. Yeah. So, Okay, Linda, your book is coming out in October yes. of 2021. Yes. Tell us uh, what it's called again, and can we pre-order it? Will it be like an Amazon and for yes, sale where yes, books yes. are sold? It is. We are doing edits right now, so it's not available okay. yet for purchase. It's called The Economy of Kindness, How Kindness Transforms Your Life, and it will be... Um, I'm sorry, How Kindness Transforms Your Bottom Line. Sorry, oh, uh, Life was my first book. 
Um, it'll be out 10 years after the mitzvah book came out. It will be about culture in the workplace and the lessons and ideas and thoughts and ways that you can consider how you can build this culture. It'll be a quick read. I'm not a heavy duty and I know you're working on your next book too. It's like, um, I wanted to make it easy for people to pick up, glean something, take away an aha, think about how we could put that into our workplace yep. and, and make it happen. So give us one aha before we let you go. Let's see, one aha. Um, or a tip that'll just be like, oh, I could do that. That would, Maybe oh, it'll so, work at home. I mean, this is very personal work. for me, but I'm Jewish. Okay. And so often organizations don't pay attention to the calendar if it isn't the, you know, the majority calendar. Yes. So I've often been invited to events or meetings or something gets planned in the high holiday season, which is in September for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I have to be the person who says, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, you planned this on my holiday. These holidays are as important to us as Easter or Christmas. Correct. These are our biggest holidays. And so there's Kazoo has an inclusivity calendar, which you can look at if you as a, you know, somebody who's planning events for your organization or your business wants to make sure you're including everybody in the in the scheduling. It, so um, and it's called Kazoo, on. like kazoo.com. A-Z-O-O. -O. Yeah. I, you know, I, I included that in the book because it was often something for me as a, as a Jewish person, I always felt we're, we're only 3% of the population and I didn't want to be the squeaky wheel, but then, you know, my kid would miss something at school or I would miss something or I couldn't attend something. And, you know, so that's one way to make sure you're being a little more inclusive. Yeah. What a great tool. What a great resource for, for bosses or event planners and you know, all of that. Linda, thank you. It, I'm just so happy that after four I'm, years, we finally made this amazing. work, right? <laughs> Can we meet in person sometime? I would really like that. Absolutely. I, that I cannot wait for that day. That'll be great. That sounds awesome. That was a conversation with Linda Cohen. Learn more at lindacohenconsulting.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. Kindness Podcast.